Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. So today's episode is an annual one I do. Uh, Those of you that know me know that I'm a a geek. I say that uh, playfully, a financial geek, a history geek. I like to read a lot. And this episode every year, I want to do talking about some of the books that I read during the year that are my favorites that made an impact on me. And I usually invite someone to join me. Um, Marianne uh, is kind enough to take some time to join me today. She's a retired senior executive from ADP, and she is an avid reader also. In fact, she and I swap ideas routinely, and I get some of my best ideas from her. So uh, Marianne, thanks for uh, talking some books with me today. Hey, thank you, Chris, for having me. So uh, how many books do you think you'll read this year? Well, I, I have a ledger and I counted them actually this morning and I, uh, it looks like I'll read anywhere between 25, 26 books this year. Okay, that's about where I am. I'm, I'm routinely between maybe as little as 18 up to 30, but average about 24 a year. That's where I'll end up. Uh, that's where I will end up this year. I know in the um, lead up to doing this episode, you would explain that you kind of went on a little bit of a, I don't know, this is the word you use, but sort of a binge this year on a, a, a type of book that you really gravitated to. Can you tell us a little bit about that as we get started? Yeah, it, and it was um, a little different for me because, you know, I love to go to a bookstore and I seem to have picked two or three of these, um, what I will call historical fiction books at a time and just kept um, being interested in what was going around, um, you know, the world at different periods of time. Um, and uh, I guess for me, it, it certified a lot of what I thought about certain periods of time and conflict and people and culture. Um, but I think I now understand better um, the, the history. Now getting into the characters and some of the more uh, elaborations in these books. So I have really enjoyed um, that genre this year. So, Marion, I read a variety of different genres, and I didn't go down the uh, historical nonfiction rabbit hole, maybe like you did, but you had recommended a book to me, Soul to Sea, which is a great historical fiction. I think, for me, the other notable one that I read uh, this year was uh, The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, a very popular historical fiction writer these days. Did... um, did you read that one? What'd you think? I did. So, you know, The Four Winds, I, I love Kristen Hanna. I read many of her books. Um, but, you know, I, you know a lot about the Depression and what transpired during those days. What I didn't know is a lot about um, the, uh, the Dust Bowl and the yes. migration to California and the treatment of those um, folks as they arrived from Texas and Oklahoma in California, how they were treated was just horrific. So, you know, here again, I I learned a little bit more, not just about the Great Depression, but the Dust Bowl, so. Yes, I agree. And, you know, I wonder if you share this sentiment. I, as I described at the beginning, am a history geek. I'm not saying you're a history geek, but I describe myself that way. And, And one of the things that, 
I appreciate about reading history is it puts your life and what you are seeing and hearing and observing around you in, I think, a better perspective. You know, you talk about the Dust Bowl in the book, uh, The Four Winds, and we reference soul to sea and the hardship of uh, migrants or people that uh, were that lost their homes towards the end of World War II, just tremendous upheaval. And, and then how could you, at the end of the day, after reading about the hardships that these people had to deal with, death, destruction, setbacks, uh, livelihoods destroyed, it's really difficult for me then to come home at the end of the day and say that I had a bad day with a straight face. Exactly, exactly. You know, with all the devastation that there was in, in these lives of, of these people, the characters, they were, in fact, a little inspiring, too. Um, yeah. You know, because there was always a good message uh, left behind, whether it was family or uh, persistence, um, you know, the lack of prejudices, um, um, the collaboration between, you know, two different cultures. So there were there were some times when you were more inspired despite the devastation. Yes, I agree. I, I agree completely. And uh, I find them you know, to be entertaining and informative and inspirational, as well as, like I said, putting in perspective, if you hear somebody in the media today and they say, this is the worst ever in America, if you have an awareness of history, that probably, that statement is probably an extreme exaggeration. And I like having that historical perspective. It helps me understand the world that I live in today, as well as deal with my own personal life and you know we all have you know setbacks but again in comparison life is pretty good can you point to any uh marian any other uh historical fiction books that you really like this year yeah you know um living permanently in the south now i'm uh I'm very much interested in, uh, in particular, North Carolina. And there were, there were a couple of books that I read that just um, shocked me, totally shocked me that I knew really nothing about. And one of them was um, Necessary Lies by Diane Chamberlain. And this was history, but it was really set from 1960 to maybe the early 70s when um, it was a story about a social worker that had to recommend which of her clients would be sterilized without their knowledge. So it was really all about this eugenics program that was in place in North Carolina during this period of time. And um, the state's rationalization was that, you know, these young women that are poor or ill or unfit in some way should not be allowed to have children. And, um, you know, there are a lot of interesting characters in this and it takes place on um, a small tobacco farm here. And after doing some research on it myself, because, you know, when you read these types of things, you say, well, is that how much of it is actually true? Um, I have had friends of mine who lived here during that period that actually supported um, a lot of what was said in this book and done in this book. And this program was just absolved um, in the, I think, early 1970s. So 
I was overwhelmed with that book. Um, and I thought it was very um, nicely written, sad, difficult. The fact that the program is done with is, uh, is a good thing. Yeah, I, that, um, that I would think is gripping. I'm not familiar with the book and I don't know, that seems like it might be a little too, for me, I, I would have to be in the right mind space, I think, to read something that heavy and um, stressful. Uh, was it a stressful book to read? Very much so. Um, it is close to home now. So uh, for me, it took place in the greater Raleigh area. And um, so yes, it was very much close to home and, and difficult. Uh, but again, people came to their senses and it no longer exists. Um, but I've read a couple of books like that, like um, Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. Um, and that talks about um, the Memphis, Tennessee children's home. So here again is another book that um, tells the story of an event in the South here that, you know, I wasn't aware of um, during, again, a very difficult period of time in the early 1950s. Um, and there were sessions on um, shows on 60 Minutes and Unsolved Mysteries that collaborated with um, the writer um, after the book was released. So that was a very interesting book as well. Um, but sad to know that these types of things happened here in the United States during these periods of time. So these two books, Necessary Lies and the, the one you just mentioned, these are historical fiction, right? So, so everything in the book is not purported to be true. They take historical um, events and then they, I'm going to say embellish, I don't mean it in a negative way, but they, they build a, uh, a narrative around that. So you get a representation of history with some storytelling. Is that right? That's correct. And, and the, I think the area of, um, as you said, embellishment is really around the characters themselves. Correct. With the exception of Before We Were Yours, um, there were some real life people that were mentioned in the book. Um, but yes, it's, all, it's mostly around the characters and where they came from. Um, so the research on the book really re revealed the uh, documentation about um, the specifics of what happened then, but it's, it's characters that are embellished. Yeah, I think for me, the, uh, you know, similar, similar to what you're talking about is uh, a pure history book. Uh, Bill O'Reilly has a series of books, uh, the Killing series, as they're called. The first one was Killing Lincoln. I've read them all. Uh, the most recent one, I believe the most recent one, Killing the Mob, was a fantastic read because I grew up in New York. I'm of Italian ancestry. And, you know, you're familiar with the mob. And there's lots of movies about it and TV shows. And it kind of has a special place in American lore but the book was fantastic because I know little bits and pieces. You, you hear names like Lucky Luciano and the Genovese crime family. And you hear these names and you see stuff in the movies. But this book took it from start to finish in a very comprehensive way, including talking about the 
foundation of the FBI and talked about the uh, infiltration of the mafia into various industries in the United States, including longshoremen, the entertainment industry, even politics. It was, it was, a, it was a fascinating read and also gives you a good cross-section because it goes from like the 1920s or so all the way up until the 1980s. So you get a nice bite-size view of history of the United States. And uh, it's a very good read. Have you read any of his Killing History series books? I have. I've read that one. And I've also read the one on Killing Jesus. And was there one on Kennedy? I think I read that one last year or the year before. Um, so yes. And a couple of the other books that I mentioned by Sarah Donati, The Gilded Hour and Where the Light Enters, is all about that period of time as well. Early 19th century, New York City, immigration, crime, all of that. And it supports exactly what's in that book as well. Good. Good stuff. Uh, on the business front, now I described accurately at the beginning that you're a retired senior executive. And I, I believe when we talked about books, when you were still in the corporate world, you uh, probably read more business books than you do now. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, my, my bookshelf is really full of business um, books. Uh, but the only one that I recently reread uh, was It Worked For Me, and it's the, the Life and Leadership by Colin Powell. And, you know, with his recent death, I kind of relived my meeting with him at a corporate event, our luncheon conversation, and, and his book that uh, I think I bought a case of and, and handed them out to a lot of my own leadership team over the years. So that probably was the only business type book that I read this past year. Yes, but if, but if anybody's in North Carolina and they need a business book, if you go to her library, uh, Marian probably could set you up nicely with some good business reads. Yes. So a couple of business books that I read that I'll, 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 I'll take note of because this is more of a business show is um, Dan Sullivan, who's been around for a long time. He wrote a book, Who, Not How. You know, in some ways, you probably know this stuff, given your very successful business career. But it was a nice refresher on focusing on when you have a problem or when you're trying to accomplish something, working with people that you know or uh, leveraging existing relationships that you have is, is very important. If you want to succeed and you want to overcome obstacles, focusing on cultivating relationships is, is really important. And I think Today, Marianne, we're relying so much more on technology. Our lives are changing so fast today. And in many ways, it is a positive change in evolution. Sometimes I think people, including me, might lose sight of the who part of things. And, and this was a direct reference point for focusing on that. I think it was really valuable. And uh, the other one I'll mention, too, is... Uh, William McRaven, who's a retired U.S. Admiral, and he wrote a book, Make Your Bed, which was incredibly popular. I don't know if it passed on your desk, but he wrote a, um, a sequel to it called The Hero Code, which is a short, easy read. You could probably read it in a day or two. It's not very 
big and not very heavy, but it's, it's a military kind of version of success tips and it's laid out nicely and it's, it's a good read, especially for young people. I think it's really powerful messaging. So you're familiar with William McRaven at all? I have, yes, yes. Um, I haven't read that book in particular, but I think there are others that I have somewhere in my library here that you may have. have Past library. But I do, I do support your um, and acknowledge the fact that you know that whole emotional intelligence um, part of business today needs to be revisited, um, and that's why I always love Travis Bradbury and his you know, EQ and, you know, having relationships with people that you work with and need to inspire and lead is important. So, yeah, that's another book that I have a case of that I give to many of my mentees. Well, you you are good about giving out books. You've given me several over the years, including Soul to the Sea. And uh, I want to ask you one other book that I found to be one of my favorites this year, a little bit of a different genre than we've spoken about so far, but it's a memoir written by Matthew McConaughey, the very popular actor. Uh, the title of the book is Green Lights. And uh, there was a nice, easy read. Actually, I listened to it, by the way. I, I listened to that on a, a long road trip for the most part, but it was a nice, nice learning about his story, his upbringing. Uh, his experiences, things that he overcame, as well as a great section about how he became famous, how it happened sort of overnight and dealing with that. But uh, it's a pretty neat book. Is that something you checked out or is that something you might read? Yeah, in fact, a friend of mine just gave me that. It's, it's, on, my, it's on my pile of, of books to read. So not yet, but um, I'm now interested in reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good. I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it, especially. Uh, I liked listening to it. We didn't talk about this yet, but um, when I say earlier that I read twenty four books, some of those books I'll have consumed listening. I don't really make a distinction when I'm talking to people as far as whether I read it on my laptop or I actually read the physical book or if I consumed it by listening. But I'll tell you, uh, listening certain books I don't think you could listen to. I tell you what I liked about Greenlights was that it actually was read by Matthew McConaughey. So you have that familiarity with his voice and listening to him talk about his life and his own voice. It was a very pleasing listening experience for me, if that makes sense. Yep, sir, it sure does. So I have the book. Um, so, so let me know what you think of that book. And as we begin to wrap up, Marianne, what's, um, you already referenced this a little bit, What's next for you to read? What What are some of the books you're looking forward to getting to? You usually have a pretty good list. You mentioned some already. But what's some of the next things that you're looking to read as 2021 winds down and we get into the new year? Yeah, it's interesting. When I This past year, I bought the entire collection of Ken Follett books. And I haven't gotten to them yet because um, they're quite large books to read. So um, so I have that whole series on, on my desk to read, but there, I'm, I'm also seeing some of the authors that I really appreciated in the past have new books out. So one of them is Anthony Doerr, who wrote Cloud Cuckoo Land. It's his brand new book, but yeah. you recall All the Light We Cannot See was the winner of the Pulitzer Prize 
So I loved his original book, and I, I picked that up just the other day. So that is, um, is on my desk to read as well. Awesome. Awesome. Do you listen to many books, Marianne, or you are more of an actual physical book reader? Is that fair? Yes, for sure. I uh, love going to a bookstore, you know, browsing through the books and, you know, reading the covers and then touch and feel. I, I feel like I comprehend the book better when I'm um, reading it versus listening. I seem to drift away a little bit. So. <laughs> Gotcha. I know I'm looking forward. I'll probably read this uh, as we're recording this. It's it's right before Thanksgiving. Uh, the Stranger in the Lifeboat, which is oh, a Mitch nice. Album book. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Mitch Albums. Uh, he's been around for a while. Tuesdays with Maury, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, to name a couple. But I'm looking forward to, to reading that. Has that um, crossed your radar yet? It has not, but I will make note of that one. Uh, it just came out a few days ago, so I think it's brand. I think it's brand new. Yeah, I haven't had. I, I don't usually read a lot of the same author because I had found that the the books all sound a little familiar. But recently, you know, like Anthony Doerr, or even um, Lane Moriarty, and a couple other authors that I thought I would never read another of their books, but I've been reading more, not series, but um, books by the same authors. Yeah, I agree with you. I will, even if there's an author that I like, I will tend not to um, string mm -hmm. too many together, usually none, because to me, they start to blur. Yes. And I even do that with genres. Like I'm not likely to read back-to-back -back history books. I'm more likely to maybe read a history book and then maybe read something that's a little more business oriented and then maybe go back to history, but have it be a completely different period version of history. Um, otherwise I have trouble uh, remembering the differences between the books. If I do it that way, I think my ability to recall is, is much improved. Okay. You're much younger than I am. So you should be recalling better than me. Well, I'm so glad we're recording that. And I got to, got you this how young I am. That's good. That's, that's why I write little notes in my ledger book so I can remember what I've read. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Mary. And this was such a wonderful discussion. Uh, in the show notes, listeners, we'll, we'll reference all of the uh, books and authors that were um, discussed here. So maybe you could build a reading list. And I'll also draw your attention to my website, the Elliott Wealth site, although it's much more focused on financial planning and the like, uh, we do have a page where I put my book recommendations. And uh, so please check that out if you haven't already at elliotwealth.com. And uh, Marianne, wonderful discussion. Hopefully we talk again soon and maybe we'll even be able to see each other before too long. That's great, Chris. Thank you. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss.
Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note, the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with SagePoint Financial.